The writer of Psalm 119 says to God, The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Father God, please give us that same way of thinking about your word. Open our eyes to its great value and help us to benefit from what it says. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Between the years 1889 and 1960, if you wanted to be absolutely sure of the length of a meter, you could travel to France and look at a metal bar. It was made of platinum and iridium, and it was kept at the International Bureau of Weights and Measures near Paris. That metal rod was the world's official measuring stick for the length of a meter. After 1960, things became a lot more complicated, because in 1960, the official length of a meter was redefined as 1,650,763.73 wavelengths of the orange-red spectral line of the Krypton-86 atom in a vacuum. I'm sure there were excellent reasons for that redefinition, but speaking as a non-scientist, I find myself preferring the old days before 1960 when the official length of a meter was tied to one particular object, that metal measuring stick in France. Well, in today's Bible passage, I'm happy to say there is a measuring stick that's easy to see and easy to use. Please look down with me to verse 23. And he was saying to them all, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. That Bible verse is a measuring stick because anyone who wants to follow Jesus will need to do what verse 23 says. So those of us who are Christians can take verse 23 and hold it up against our life like a metal bar to see if the life we're living matches up with Jesus' description of the Christian life. If anyone wants to come after me, Jesus says he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Of course, half of us will need to mentally replace the he himself and his with she herself and her. If anyone wants to come after me, she must deny herself, take up her cross daily and follow me. For the rest of the sermon, we're going to examine this measuring stick verse. But before we get started, it is essential to clarify that verse 23 is not about gaining righteousness in God's sight. The Bible says we cannot make ourselves righteous through such things as self-denial. We can't improve our own moral performance until finally we reach the top of Good Person Mountain, where God says, you've made it, you've arrived. The reason why we can't climb Good Person Mountain is because we keep sinning, whether it's our thoughts, our words, or our deeds. We keep slipping back down the mountain. Our only hope of gaining righteousness is to receive it as a gift through faith in Jesus. In today's 
passage, Jesus says in verse 22 that he must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. The reason that must is there in verse 22 is because there was no other way for people to be saved. Jesus had to lay down his life for our sake. He had to take God's punishment as a sacrificial offering, a substitute in our place. That is how someone gains righteousness, through trusting in that sacrifice on our behalf. It's not through our own performance. It's through trusting in Jesus' work for us. As Jesus says later in Luke's Gospel, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Lost people don't save themselves through their own performance. They're lost. They can't even find good person mountain, let alone climb it. And they are the people who receive salvation. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So the purpose of verse 23 is not to explain what kind of life we're saved by. It is to explain what kind of life we're saved for. It teaches about the life we've been saved into. It's a saved for this verse rather than a saved by this verse. But it does need to be said that if someone takes a close look at verse 23 and decides, you know, that verse 23 life is not for me, then they will be saying no to salvation itself. Verse 23 is the life Jesus gives his saved followers on the basis of his verse 22 work. Reject that verse 23 life and you can't hold on to that verse 22 salvation. That's why verse 23, this measuring stick verse, is so important. It has salvation implications. As we hold it up against our life, we're looking to see whether we're living the saved person's life. And if your life has no fit with this measuring stick verse, you'll need to do some careful thinking. You'll need to ask yourself if you truly desire the salvation Jesus offers. We're going to spend the rest of the sermon considering three observations about verse 23, this metal bar Jesus gives us to hold up against our lives. The first observation is that it's a challenging measuring stick. A challenging measuring stick. If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Whatever happened to the Jesus who said those famous words in Matthew's Gospel, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Where, where did that Jesus go? Well, this is the same Jesus and he's not contradicting himself. You see, we can't receive his easy yoke and his light burden unless we first deny ourselves and take up our cross daily. Those two commands are necessary preliminary steps and they're steps we need to keep repeating. So let's, let's now look at each of those two commands in turn. He must deny himself, Jesus says. 
we can all remember what it was like when our parents denied us things that we wanted. And that can help us understand what Jesus is saying here. There was a TV ad some years ago that showed a boy with his mother as they shop in a Walmart-style store, an enormous store. Everything the boy in the ad brings to his mother gets a no. The whitewater raft, no. The drum kit, no. The crate of energy drinks, no. The motorized scooter, no. Until at last the boy presents his mother with some Oscar Mayer hot dogs. He says, no, huh? But she says, yes. It was a hot dog ad. We've all been that child having our desires denied by our parents. But here in verse 23, it's not a child with a parent. It's you saying no to yourself. It's you saying no, 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 no. Whenever your own desires get in the way of following Jesus. No, 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 no. Saying no to your own desires can feel like self-execution. Putting a version of yourself to death. And that's the meaning of the other preliminary step in verse 23. He must take up his cross daily. It's a way of talking about self-execution, being involved in your own execution. In the ancient world, people condemned to be crucified had to carry the, the horizontal part of the cross, the cross beam, to the place where they would be crucified. And that carrying of the cross beam meant that condemned people were involved in their own crucifixion. It was like sharpening the axe that would later be used to cut off your head. It was like filling the syringe that would later be used to kill you by lethal injection. It was like tying the noose that would later be placed around your neck by the hangman. Jesus is saying that those who follow him need to be involved in their own execution. And isn't that exactly what self-denial can feel like? When we say no to desires that are incompatible with Jesus' commands, it can feel like putting yourself to death. But there's no other way to follow Jesus. Following Jesus can't be done without being involved in your own execution day by day. If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. What Jesus is saying here may sound extreme or even cultish, but it's actually not hard to think of non-religious people in our culture who might say something similar. Many non-religious feminists, for example, would rightly say that pornography exploits women and they would say men who desire to look at pornography should say no to that desire. And they should put an end to that pornography viewing version of themselves. Many non-religious environmentalists would say it's wrong to have a jet-setting lifestyle, hopping from continent to continent because of all the greenhouse gas produced 
by air travel or the greenhouse gases. They'd say that anyone with a jet-setting lifestyle like that should give up that lifestyle, even if doing so feels like self-execution. They'd say it's not a lifestyle that should be lived. In fact, any serious worldview will agree that there are some human desires that need to be denied. It's been said that the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. So it shouldn't surprise us when Jesus says that living for him will mean reining in our hearts instead of just letting them go off on a wild stampede. It's time to move on to the next observation about this measuring stick verse. It's an everyday measuring stick. An everyday measuring stick. If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Daily is an important word in that verse because if it wasn't there, we might think that denying ourselves and taking up our cross were maybe things to be done right at the start of the Christian life. We might think Jesus is talking about the initial commitment people make when they become Christians. But that word daily means those two commands are preliminary steps we never stop taking. They're so closely associated with following Jesus that there isn't a single day when those preliminary steps can be ignored. Here are some examples of biblical commands that call for daily self-denial. Philippians 2.14 says, Do everything without complaining or grumbling. It takes self-denial to hold back the complaints and grumbles when they're hammering at the gate of our mouths, begging to be poured out on the people near us. Sticking with the subject of our speech, Ephesians 5 verse 4 says there should be no obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking among God's people. And Colossians 3 verse 8 similarly says you must rid yourselves of filthy language from your lips. So if a, if a swear word comes to our lips, we'll have to put that, that cussing version of ourselves to death to follow Jesus. Or if we hear a crude joke that we're tempted to laugh at, as followers of Jesus, we'll have to say no to that laughter before it bursts out of us. The tenth of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 is do not covet, which means don't desire things that are not for you to have. The full commandment in Exodus 20 verse 17 says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. That 10th commandment is restated in the New Testament when Jesus says in Luke 12 verse 15, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Luke 12 verse 15. If you look closely at your own heart, you'll find it can slip into covetousness on a daily basis. No wonder Jesus includes that word daily in verse 23. Day after day, we'll need to put to death the coveting version of ourselves, the version that refuses to be content in our God-given circumstances. 
you'll have noticed I've been quoting commands found in the Bible. We need to get familiar with the commands Jesus wants his followers to obey, and that will also require self-denial. If you are a person who scrolls through social media before you read God's word, you may never get around to reading God's word. But if, on the other hand, you say no to the desire for social media scrolling until after you have read God's word, well, you'll find yourself reading the Bible much more regularly. For some people, it may feel like killing yourself to prioritise Bible reading over social media scrolling. Scrolling through social media is such an easy way to pass the time. It's designed to be as pleasurable as possible so that we keep doing it and the advertising revenue keeps rushing in to the social media companies. But we have better viewing material, the Word of God. It deserves to be prioritised. It deserves to be read first. It's sweeter than honey and more valuable than gold. Let's press on to the third of our three observations. The measuring stick Jesus gives us in verse 23 is a personal measuring stick, a personal measuring stick. That's our third observation. It's a measuring stick that each one of us will need to hold up against his or her life individually. Look at the switch from plural to singular in verse 23. And he was saying to them all, that's plural, if anyone that's singular. If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Singular, singular, singular. Jesus switches from the plural to the singular. Verse 23 is a personal measuring stick. Your Christian parents can't do verse 23 for you. Your husband or wife can't do verse 23 for you. Your Christian friends at church who you share your life with, they can't do verse 23 for you. Only you can do it. Only you can know if verse 23 has a good fit with your life or not. Your Christian friends can help, certainly. God himself can and will help by his powerful Holy Spirit. But no one else will do it for you. Self-denial is personal. Putting oneself to death is personal. In verses 24, 25 and 26, Jesus gives three persuasive reasons for doing verse 23, saying yes to this verse 23 life. You can see that each of those verses, 24, 25 and 26, each one begins with four for whoever wants to save his life. For what good does it do a person? For what whoever is ashamed of me and my words. Each of those fours looks ahead to eternity. In verse 24, Jesus makes the point that freedom held on to in this life is temporary freedom. Try to save your life in this world without any of that Jesus following self-denial along the way and your freedom will come to an end, a swift end when you die. But if you lose your life 
for Jesus' sake in this world, denying yourself every desire that's incompatible with following him, your life will be saved eternally. Then in verse 25, Jesus puts gaining everything this world can offer on one side of the scales and he puts losing your life eternally on the other side of the scales. It's not a close call. Eternal destruction far outweighs all the world's luxuries and pleasures. A luxurious deathbed is still a deathbed. And beyond it lies eternity. Elsewhere, Jesus speaks of eternal punishment. Then in verse 26, Jesus raises the question of shame. Christians never fit in comfortably with the world around us. Jesus' words bring us into conflict with the people around us who are not following him. It can feel awkward, embarrassing, even shameful to stick out as a real Christian. And so in verse 26, Jesus explains that being ashamed of him in this world, refusing to identify yourself with him in this world, that will have an eternal counterpart. Jesus refusing to identify himself with you. 4, 4, 4. Jesus reasons with us. He's trying to persuade us because he wants us to make a well-informed choice. He wants us to know what a person will lose if he or she walks away from true discipleship. That person will lose their soul for all eternity. Jesus is saying, don't hold your own soul so lightly. The story is told of a man crossing the Atlantic in the days of those grand ocean liners. He's leaning over the side of the vessel. It's a bright sunny day. And as he leans over the rail, the man tosses something up in the air, something which sparkles with great radiance. He tosses it up and catches it again and again, and it throws out marvellous refracted light as it falls. Eventually, an onlooker comes over and says, can I ask what it is that you're throwing up in the air like that? He replies, Certainly, look at it. It's a diamond. Is it a valuable one? Asks the onlooker. Yes, it's, it's very valuable. Look at the size of it. In fact, all I have in the world is in this diamond. I'm moving to a new country, and so I sold everything I had and put it into this diamond to get my wealth into this portable object. But if it's so valuable says the onlooker. Isn't it a terrible risk to toss it up in the air like that over the rail of the ship? No risk at all. I've been doing this for the last half an hour, the man says. But there might come a last time, says the onlooker. The man laughs and throws it up again and catches it as it falls. Throws it up again and catches it. And it flashes and blazes in the sunlight and he catches it. And then he throws it out again. Just a bit too high and a bit too far. And he lunges over the rail to catch it. And he hits his fingertips. 
but he can't hold on to it. He watches in horror as it falls, sparkling to the ocean beneath and disappears with a tiny splash. Clutches his face in anguish and then cries out, Lost! 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 All I have in the world! Lost! You might think no one would ever be so stupid, so foolish to do that. But the person who doesn't listen to Jesus' warnings, the person who walks away from true discipleship, rejecting true discipleship, is treating their eternal soul more casually than that man on the ocean liner with his diamond. If you're not yet following Jesus, well, come to him today and the diamond that is your life will be safe forever with him, with Jesus. All of Jesus' commands are good. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. It's our sinful nature that makes Jesus' commands burdensome to us, which brings in this self-denial, this need for self-execution. But in Christ, the sinful nature no longer has ruling power over us. With the help of the Spirit of Jesus, you can overcome sin. So come to Jesus, and he will save you and empower you to keep following him. Before I finish, I want to speak to two different groups of people. The first group are those who are very confident that their life has a good fit with the measuring stick of verse 23. You're a champion of self-denial. You know all about putting disobedient versions of yourself to death. Perhaps you've been quietly looking around thinking, he really needs to hear this sermon. Or, I wish so-and-so was here today because, boy, does she need to hear about self-denial in the service of Jesus. If you are super confident that verse 23 matches your life, I wonder if you've considered that pride is a sin. Pride is sinful. Because all that we have, including the power of self-denial, is lovingly given by God. There are no earners in God's kingdom, only receivers. Salvation is a gift that God lovingly bestows upon us through Jesus' death on the cross. And he also bestows the power that we experience as we put sinful desires to death. To live a life of pride is to fail to put to death a wrong way of thinking about yourself, a wrong version of yourself. And it may be there's someone here today who needs to hear that. There's another group I want to speak to, and then we'll close. The people in this group are embattled believers. You want verse 23 to be true of your life. But you're more conscious of daily failure than daily self-denial and cross-bearing. Verse 23 reminds you of sins repeated more than it reminds you of sins overcome. 
What if that's you? Remember Jesus' parable of the prodigal son. Remember that the father in Jesus' parable of the prodigal son represents God himself. God's love for returning prodigals never dries up. His arms are always open, ready to bring us near. This loving father invites us to live life his way, which is the best way. And he gives us the resources we need to do that. If you feel the need to come back to him, to recommit yourself to him, his arms are wide open. God is not a football coach with a harsh program that's designed to weed out players who can't take the pressure. That's not what God is like at all. No, he takes delight in you. He rejoices in your presence among his people. And this challenging, everyday, personal measuring stick is part of God's loving concern for your well-being in Christ. It is good for you. It is a good measuring stick to hold up against your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do feel deeply challenged by Jesus' words this morning. We tremble to think of the many times when this measuring stick has not matched up with our life as Christians. But we believe that your arms are open to embrace your people. You grant forgiveness through Jesus' death. And we trust that you will give us the resources and power we need to follow Jesus. Help us to grow in self-denial, to grow in putting versions of ourselves that are incompatible with following Jesus to death. We believe doing these things is good for us. And that is why you tell us to do them. But we look to you for help, trusting that you will give it. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, that with Jesus, it was not just a metaphor to carry his cross. He actually did it. He took the cross beam as far as he could, and then he was nailed to it for our sake. Thank you for the righteousness that is ours through his, his death on the cross. Amen.